Holy high five. There we go. I just felt right. Oh, goodness. How are we doing? Good, 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 good. Um, if you've got your Bibles, grab those. Uh, John 3.16 is where we'll be this morning. Um, and we will finish up this one verse. And, and I don't know if, if you've realized what's happened over the last four weeks. I mean, we've taken four weeks to walk through uh, what is probably the most well-known verse in all the Scriptures. I mean, four weeks. And some of it, my hope and my prayer is this, is that as we've done this and kind of walked through what seems to be probably the most well-known, most memorized, the most quoted, um, one of those verses that you learn as a kid and can just recite and uh, go with, my hope is as you've walked through this with us is that it's encouraged you uh, maybe in a new way to pick up the Scriptures and read the Scriptures. I mean, how in the world do you spend four weeks on one verse, uh, the most well-known verse ever, um, and, and so what happens is as you begin to read, as you begin to study, as you begin to look at God's Word, and there's words there uh, that mean things. Like, like, like God didn't just say stuff to say it. Like, like there is a ton of, of, of meaning behind what He says. And so when there's a word there, it means something, uh, and, and it carries a weight with it. And, and so my hope is as we've done this and kind of unpacked this verse, uh, it, it will encourage you to want to read the Scriptures the same way. Uh, I mean, all of the Scriptures there. All of it, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, uh, the words mean stuff. And, and the words bring uh, life and encouragement and conviction and just does a number of things uh, in the heart of a believer. And so uh, my hope is that it's encouraged you to be able to pick up the scriptures and, and, and read it that way. Uh, to look at it whenever we see for God, like who's God, we, de we defined who God was. And, and we took time and we looked at it and we talked about his, his character, his nature, his attributes. And then we talked about love because love is a word that is just a junk drawer word. Is it not in our culture, in our world? I mean, we throw it out with everything and have no idea what we're saying. And so what does it mean when God says that he loves? And so we talked about that and we took our time and we walked through all of those words here in this beautiful, beautiful verse. And today uh, we'll wind this verse down and then we'll continue on uh, next week and, and maybe finish out the chapter. It may take us two weeks. We'll just see where God leads us. Um, but like I said, if you, if you have your Bibles, grab those, John 3.16. Um, before we do that, I, I, I'm going to ask Hannah if you'd come up here. I know you would kill me. This is completely un, unexpected. But um, uh, there's been some pretty cool stuff that's happened um, over the last few weeks. And, and I, um, I didn't tell her I was going to do this. Um, so you may be looking for a pastor next week. But until then, um, I'm going to come on up here. They want to see you. Um, so as you know, we hired Miss Hannah back, it, it was in January, uh, to be the director of our after-school ministry. And... Um, I just think it's been a pretty big week, pretty cool week. So, would, you, would you tell me what's kind of taken place? Um, so I guess a week or so ago, I was meeting with a friend, just kind of going over um, all the things that were happening in the after-school ministry and looking for um, people to hire and different things like that, spots to fill. And so as I'm talking, she looks right at me and she says, well, how would you like if our nonprofit sponsors one of your employees will just pay for it and I was like what I didn't even know you had a nonprofit, but okay and so she was like all right just um, bring up a proposal let us know and we'll get back to you so I did that I talked with Scott we kind of went over I talked with the board um, sent it in started praying I mean it was like three other people aiming for this as well and so yesterday I got the um, text message that said we'd been approved. So we now have $5,000 coming into New Life After School Ministries to sponsor an employee for the summer. And so 
that was such a godsend to me because that takes a load off of a lot of things. Like I have somebody coming in to help, to take mm-hmm. on a group, to love these kids, an extra set of eyes, an extra, you know, to be able to talk into these kids, love on them like Jesus. And so I'm just so excited. I mean, I feel like the hand of God has been all over this. Every need that we've come up against, the Lord has just provided. And that's how we know that Mm. this is his idea. And so I'm so thankful for a church that has backed us up. I'm so thankful for our pastor. Um, I'm thankful for the board and I'm thankful for everybody's prayers because the Lord is working and I'm just, I'm thrilled and excited to see what all he's going to do and continue to do through this ministry. So, and also what you, so you're looking to hire now, so we need some workers. So So if if you know anyone that is looking for a summer job, I'd love to start in-house. So let me know if you have anybody in mind or if there's anybody else um, that you know that is looking for a summertime job. We are hoping to start like second well, I guess like the last yeah. week of May or the yeah, second yeah, yeah. to last week of May, yeah. up until August 13th, which is a Friday. Um, I've already hired one, this McKenzie back there. So excited, McKenzie Stewart. Um, and so just one more we're looking for. So if you have anybody in mind, let me know. Yep, so great, great opportunity there. Absolutely, thank you. But I would just put her on the spot real quick um, and do that uh, just so you can see her again. Somebody to be praying for, this ministry to be praying for. Um, Also, something cool that happened uh, last week, uh, I get a a text from somebody who doesn't go to church here. And they said, hey, we want to sponsor a child for uh, the summer, all summer, one child. And I'm like, are you serious? Uh, Yeah, yeah, we want to pick up what it would cost for a, a, a kid to come here. Which is a great thing because I opened up my mouth a couple weeks ago and I give out two free, two free um, uh, week or two free for two kids for the whole summer um, for here. Uh, a couple weeks ago when we had our block party, there was there was a family there that we got the opportunity to kind of talk to and just felt God press upon my heart to do it. And so we've already covered one of those. Um, and so I just thought that was amazing um, that, that this person, this family, would say, "Hey, we, we want," and they don't even go to church here. Um, and, and so I just, again, God's hand is all over that. And so I just want to throw that out there again. If, if somebody else maybe feels led to do that, uh, and, and I messed it up last time, Miss Becky will correct me and hand it. I think it's, a, it's about $1,400 for the summer for one kid. I mean, that's nothing. And we're going to have this opportunity to love on this family next door and just care for uh, and walk with and share the gospel and help this mama out. So, um, man, so just great, great opportunity. God's doing some stuff, and I'm excited to see uh, what he's going to do and how he's going to use this church to reach this community. And so, um, so let, let, let's jump in. Let's jump in real quick to um, John, John 3.16. And so, so it kind of catches up a little bit. Last week, the words that we looked at was uh, whoever, and we just talked about all the believing ones is what that means, the whoever there. And it's linked back to the world. For God so loved the world, um, the world is, that's the whoever's, where the whoever's come from is, is the world. And so the gift of Jesus that, that God offers for the world is, is for those that will believe. That, that's who the whoever's are there. Those who will come to faith, the lost world that will be uh, born again. And then we looked at believes in him and we just we just talked about a little bit what it means to believe what what it means to have faith and and to and the the saving effect of, of faith and what that what that looks like uh there in that scripture and so uh today what we're going to do is we're going to finish this chapter out and we're really going to um look look at two things we're going to look at a promise what a promise is that god's going to make a promise here and then we're going to look at the promise that he uh makes here in this, And so before we really jump into the verse itself, I just think we need to talk for a few minutes about the promises of God, about what that means and, and what, what that says about our God. Did you know that there are over 8,000 promises made in the scriptures? 8,000 promises that are made in God's word. God speaks and it's recorded. 
And as, as, as people, as they pin down God's word, as they pin down what God uh, puts upon their heart uh, to, to pin down, he makes over 8,000 promises. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal that, that God would do that. The fact that he would even make one promise. And what's so beautiful about this is that, is that when God says something, it means something. And so when he makes a promise, uh, there carries a weight with that. Because God don't just talk to talk. He's not like you and I, like we've got to hear ourselves sometimes, we just need to get stuff. He's not like that. When God talks, he's very intentional, he's very purposeful. The meaning and the weight of what he says, I mean, is, is there. And sort of think about that for a moment, over 8,000 promises in the scriptures. And the thing that we've got to understand is this, is that if he doesn't come through on one, then he's of no good to us. If he doesn't make good on one promise then all of this is for nothing. Our gathering in this place is craziness. Our gathering in this place is for nothing. And so what does that say about our God? Th think about that for a moment. Because has anyone ever in, in this room, has anyone ever in this room, have you ever made a promise only not to be able to fulfill and come through with that promise? Yeah, 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 absolutely, right? Uh, same boat, me too, I, exact same thing. I, I mean, I have made promises only to have not been able to fulfill that promise. Only to be able not to, to make good on that promise. And Amory, it's not intentional. It's not intentional. <laughs> they have been before, and that's not good. But there's so many promises that I'll make or things that I will say, and, and the heart and the desire is there, but I just, I'm not able to fulfill. I'm not able to do what I said that I would do. And so, so why is that the case? Why is that the case for us? When we say we're going to do something, or we say we're going to uh, make something happen, or we're going to come through and not be able to. It's because there's factors outside of us, isn't there? There's things outside of our control, outside of our knowledge or outside of our understanding or outside of even our ability and a promise that we make. I mean, if you're a parent, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, like, like, like your kids will want something or they'll ask you for something. Yes, buddy. Do you promise that? I promise. Oh, I promise, buddy. And then what happens? You get home and you're worse slap out. Or you get home and now it's raining and storming. Or you get home and it, it, the storm comes and then it gets dark. Or you're trying to get home and there's traffic. I mean, there are numbers and numbers and numbers of factors. Maybe sickness, maybe the cost of something, maybe being forgetful. There are so many things outside of what we can do that can derail a promise so easily. Some of those things we can control, but many we can't. Many are things that are unseen. So if we've made a promise and we can fulfill that promise, and promises have been made to us and not been fulfilled in the past, then why in the world would we believe God who makes a promise? Why would we land there at that place and be like, okay, God, are we just saying about promise keeper? I mean, why, why would we believe that our God would do that? That if he makes a promise, he'll actually fulfill it. He'll actually do it. Why would we land at that place? If, if we've been burned or we've been hurt by people who have promised and not fulfilled them, then why, we project that on God so often, don't we? We put that on God. We do the same thing. Oh, he, there's no way. Or, yeah, he, but that was for them then. Or we just overlook and we're, we're just, we just think that, that there's no way. But, but I want to show you something real quick. <laughs> Colossians 1.15 says this. It says that he is the image of the invisible God. This is Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. So what you see, creation, the things that we see made. 
for by him. What that tells us again, it's just a beautiful picture of the Trinity there. Back in Genesis, at the very, in the beginning, Jesus was already there. He wasn't created like we're created. He, he was in the middle of the creation process as he speaks with the triune God to create and make. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. I mean, think about that for a moment. There are things that we haven't even seen. There are things that we're not even fully aware of. He created that realm too. The eternal, the galaxies that we can't even begin to imagine. I mean, he was present in the middle of that. And then he goes on to say this, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now listen to this. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Think about that for a minute. Uh, that hold together there in the original language means to stand together, be to compacted together, to cohere, to be constituted with. Think of it like that. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Man, man, he keeps this thing going. He keeps this thing connected. That's what he does. I mean, think about it like this. I did, did some research this week, and I don't know uh, like where you're at on the science level. I'm not very good at it, and so this is just a very uh, beginner's kind of basic understanding, but we'll walk down this road. Think of an atom for a second. Uh, an atom is the smallest unit of ordinary matter that forms a chemical element. An atom, a very atom. See, the nucleus of every atom is held together by what physicists call weak and strong forces. The nucleus of that atom contains positively charged and neutral particles to use a simplistic model. And so what happens is, is you've got these mutual uh, electroelastic repulsions between the like positive protons uh, that would drive the nucleus apart if there were not the strong force which binds the nucleus together. Anybody else just like, good lands, what the heck is he talking about? Because even as I read it, I'm like, what? Like, I, I know an atom is like the smallest like, element. I, like, I, I get that. But what that's saying is this, is that there's something that holds them together. And what we read from the scriptures, and in him, all things hold together. What is the thing that holds him together? See, there's an active force imposed on the universe which actively holds the very atoms of the material world together, moment by moment, day by day, century by century. I mean, think about that for a second. The God of the universe is holding it all together. Jesus keeps it all together. I mean, in a moment's notice, if he just stops, like, we all just like, I don't know what happens. You're a science dude. I don't know what happens to us, but it doesn't end well. I mean, I mean could, you, could you think about that for a moment? If, if he just, oh, I'm done holding it together. God, Dad, God, us, we're done. I mean, think of the power in that. Think about that for a second. So you've got accelerated electrons circling the nucleus. And that should quick, quickly radiate all their energy away and fall into the nucleus unless there exists an invisible energy source to counteract that. I don't even get that. The words that I just, like, I just read words, I don't even know what I read. But what I do know is that there's a creator that has designed it this way that by the very word of him, holds it all together. Like, like, listen to this for a second. A typical human, say of 150 pounds, there are almost seven octillion, seven octillion atoms. 
I don't even know what the heck seven octillion looks like until I looked it up. And that's a seven followed by 27 zeros. I mean, mean, that's got to be a made-up number. It's not. I mean, think seven octillion. I mean, listen to that again. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him. Can we trust him? Hebrews 1.3 says it like this. It says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And listen, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And we get to kind of see this a little bit in Jesus, don't we? In his earthly ministry. Like the disciples, they're out there in the boat. He's down below sleeping. They get all freaked out because the storm comes. Uh, what happens? They wake up Jesus freaking out like, you, you got to do something, man. Like, it's it for us if you don't. And he's like, oh. I mean, can you imagine? Like, these guys, Dad, what? Oh, I know, I know. He gets up and he goes up and he's like, stop. And he goes back to bed. I mean, you're talking about power? And in Hebrews, let's just, he upholds the universe by the power of his word. He just speaks and it happens. I mean, that's crazy, is it not? He just says them. I mean, you see it all throughout the scriptures. The storms. You see somebody sick, don't be sick. You see, don't be dead anymore. Get up, come on. I mean, what power is that? I mean, if that guy makes a promise, I'm in on it. Like, I want to be a part of that. Do you not? I mean, if he raises the dead, he makes the, uh, the cancer flee. I mean, think about that for a second. So when, so when we talk about the promises of God, when we think about the, that's who made the promise. Not some bum dude, 37-year-old bum dude up here that can't, uh, can't remember what he's supposed to do 20 minutes after, after we get done with this. No, we got the creator of the universe who by the very power of his word holds it all together, all octillion whatever of you together. So when he makes a promise, when he says something, it's something that we can count on and bank on. Not like powerless us. No, 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 no. He, he, he is all-powerful, all-knowing and in the middle of everything. I mean, just think about that for a moment. So when he says something, it means something. When he says something, it carries weight, and it's something that you can fully trust. Hear me, traffic isn't an issue for him. Weather doesn't stop him, and nothing can slow him down because he's not bound by that stuff. He just speaks, and it happens. So that's who makes this promise. That's who makes this promise. So, so I, just, I just want to look right here real fast in this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not... Perish, should not is our first promise word, perish, but have, should not and have are the promise words. Those are the words of promise. For those who believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, who come to be the perfect sacrifice for sin, going to the cross, defeating sin, death, hell, and the grave, and raising three days later to life, those are the ones that can inherit this promise. Those are the ones that can hold true to this promise, that can cling to, that can, that can claim it and walk in it. Those who are in Him, the whoevers who have come to faith in Jesus Christ are the ones who can claim this promise. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in a promise that God makes. I want to have that. That helps me sleep at night. That encourages me when the day gets rough. That just helps tremendously no matter what I'm going through. It reminds me of His goodness and His faithfulness. 
If that one makes a promise, I want in on it. And we're going to look at those promises here in a minute in verse 16. But I just want to reflect for a moment on some of the promises of God. Like, have you ever done that? Maybe you just had a crummy day, crummy week, crummy month, crummy year, whatever it is. And you're just like, I just need something. I mean, if there are over 8,000 promises in the Word of God, and I can't imagine how many times we just read over it and miss it. But, but if there are over 8,000 promises in the Word of God, I mean, have you ever just went back and looked at them? Thought about them? Like, like, listen to this. I just want to read this a few real fast and just, just, just sit there and just bask in this for a moment. Just, just breathe it in. Just listen and hear and let the Holy Spirit, man, just, just encourage and, and work in you. Psalm 145.9 says this, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And, and I don't know about you, but like I, like, I, like I kind of know where we go in moments like that. He has compassion on all that he's made. The Lord is good. Do you know what my neighbor's going through? I mean, we just lost somebody last week to cancer. He's good? H- how is that good? How is that, how is that compassion on all that he's made? The fact that he even allows us be. The fact that he offers salvation through his son points to the fact in reality that he's good, regardless of what happens to us. Like, like, do you get it? Like, if God never does another thing for us, he's done too much in his son Jesus. Like, we're the ones that rebelled against him. And then we blame him for the stuff that he's never promised to do for us. I mean, is that not, that's how we work in this culture and world. I'm just going to get ticked mad at God because he hasn't done what I asked him to do, even though he's never promised to do what I've asked him to do. Well, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Did you hear the first part? Like, we skipped the first part, the delight yourself in the Lord. No, no, he'll just give me the desires of my heart. Dang it, why hasn't God given me? You're not delighting yourself in the Lord. Because what I've learned is when you delight yourself in the Lord, it changes the desires of the heart real quick, does it not? That's the world we live in. That's the culture we live in. And it's even infiltrated the church. God, why haven't you? See, I, and I just, I just believe, and I, and I pulled her up here today, and I, and I wanted to do that to, to, to have her before you so you can pray for her. I mean, uh, we're about to embark on a pretty big thing here in a couple weeks. Big ministry, big opportunity. And, and I believe the reason why, like, like, have you thought of all that God's done so far for that ministry? A donation of over $100,000 come in that we don't have to pay back, we don't have to do anything with? To, to have uh, so, uh, another, another nonprofit ministry to cover a worker for all summer? They don't get anything out of that. But they're going to donate money to cover a worker for all summer? Some of them don't even go to church here. They say, man, I, I love the heart behind what you're wanting to do. And, and they, they're going to write a check for, for almost 1500 bucks. We've got two buses sitting out there. We've got, what, about 15 kids already promised that's coming? I mean, that, is that not crazy? See, when you delight, your, when you delight yourself in the Lord, or, yeah, del- yeah that verse. Getting all going here. He'll give you the desires of your heart. See, our desire and the heart for that ministry, as well as this church, is to bring glory and honor to God. And I just believe when you do that, when you submit yourself to that, you can claim these kind of promises. He's, yes, he's good. Gracious, he shows compassion. J- James 1, 7 says, 17 says it like this. Every good and perfect gift is from above. <coughs> Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Thank God for that. I mean, not to mention the promise at the very beginning, every good and perfect gift is from above, but even the last, who does not change like shifting shadows. I mean, my gosh, do we not, I mean, we're going this way one moment, the next minute we've got to have that over here, and we like this, and we're so against this, and then we're over here, and now we're back to that. Oh, it's just like, we're, God doesn't change. 
Same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Thank God for that. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament is the God of now. And His Word rings true. His promises ring true. Isaiah 40, 29 says this, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And is that not a picture of every one of us in this room? That's how we come to Jesus. We're weak, weary, broken, busted up. We need Him. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this. It says, Do not be anxious about anything. Yeah, right, right? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, what a promise. What a, you're absolutely right at works. Don't, don't be anxious. Anxious just shows that you're not trusting and walking and believing in the God of, uh, that, that's who's promised and working and doing. It just, that's, what, that's what anxiousness shows. And hear me, I, I know we're, we're an anxious culture and world. doesn't mean it's right. But in every situation, how about prayer and petition? It's showing our dependency upon. It, it's seeking who we need to seek. It's walking with who we need to walk. Present that request. And the peace of God will transcend all understanding. <coughs> I, mean, I, I mean, it's a promise he made. And do you know how goofy and crazy it sounds sometimes to stand in a hospital room and pray for somebody that, that's uh, on their deathbed? Or, or to walk up to a family and pray for them and pray for, for peace and I mean, that's, that's, they just lost somebody they loved. I mean, how in the... But the God of the universe can do that. He, he says that right there. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says this, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, if you, that's a great word to serve, all that you need, not want... But having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And what a promise there. Psalm 34.10 says, The lines may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Lack no good thing. He goes on Matthew 11.28-30, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Who's just dang wore out? Yeah, me too. I mean, it's just been a heck of a year, hasn't it? A heck of a couple years. I mean, good gosh. Is it not the crazy world we live in? And look at the promise he made. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You got a burden, you're tired, you're wore out. I will give you rest. Hear me, there is no rest like rest in God. I don't care if you go to bed at 8 and you get up at 10. There is no rest like the rest that's found in God. You can sleep all day long if you want to, but a rest that is only found in the Lord, that's what he's going to, I want that. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a promise there. John 14, 6, I love this one. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What Jesus is saying is I'm the only way. I don't, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what everybody else says. I don't care what other religions say. Uh, the one that holds it all together. Remember the atoms that we just talked about? The one that holds it all together has spoken. And this is what he says. He says, you, you want to get there, you've got to go through me. You, you want to claim these promises? and walk, I'm the only way. I'm the truth. You want to know what truth is? You look to Jesus. You look to God's word. There's truth there. I mean, we live in a world where everything's changing and shifting, like I said earlier, but, but not his word, not his truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. James 1.5 says this, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. We need to be doing that a lot more, don't we? Because look at what happens when you do that. Who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. You in a circumstance or situation, you're going through something right now, 
quit trying to figure it out yourself. Stop. Look at what he promises here in James 1. If you lack wisdom, ask for it. He's going to give, it, he's going to give us wisdom more than we want wisdom. I guarantee you that. Because we want our way. We want, want it to happen the way that we think it should happen. We want to try to figure it out ourselves. We want to just work hard. No, he says, stop. Ask for wisdom. And then this one. I love this one. And we'll, we'll move on. But these, these are just a few. I mean, over 8,000 of these. The 23rd Psalms. And who knows that one? Where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. That's what he does. He brings peace. He brings comfort. He restores my soul. Man, what a promise. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely what goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, what a promise that we get there of him as the good shepherd and, and what we get to obtain and have as his. My, my goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life because they're being shown to us by him. It's being poured out on us by him. Surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, so these are just a few of the promises that he makes. And church, we can trust him. We can rest assured that he will do all that he has promised the exact way that he has promised to do it. I think the problem is found in the fact that we just don't know what his promises are. And we kind of intermingle them and we twine them a little bit and get them uh, uh, confused with, with the promises of the world or promises of other like good sayings or, or things like that. And we don't understand and realize and know what his true promises are. Well, because I don't think we read God's word like we should. We don't hunger for God's word like we should. We don't run to God's word like we should. We don't pray like we should. We don't, we don't, we don't give our life away to him in service like we should. We don't, we don't desire him like we should. We desire everything else. And we wonder why we're so anxious all the time. We wonder why we worry so we can't find comfort. We can't find peace because we're not resting in the promises of God. And so when he says this here in John 3, 16, the weight that it carries weight that it carries for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life now let's, let's look at the promises real quick right here perish the, the first one should not perish the promise that he makes there for those who are found in him because that's who the promise is made to it's made to uh, born again believers those that that have come to faith in Jesus Christ um, he says you should not perish perish is the opposite of eternal life not perish, but have eternal life. If you perish, you don't get eternal life. See verse 18, which we'll cover here in a couple weeks. It, it sheds more light on that being condemned thought. In 3.18 it says this, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. <coughs> but whoever does not believe is condemned already. What that means is this, is that God's judicial sentence of wrath is on us as sinners. And it stays on us as long as we're in that condition. As long as we're in that place. As long as we're in that state. See, John 3.36 says this. It says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. See, we're under condemnation because of our sin and our unbelief. We're already condemned. And what perishing here, it means staying there forever under God's wrath. 
Not being outside of that, not being uh, taken care of, not being uh, answered for. And there's nothing that you can imagine any worse than having the omnipotent God oppose you with righteous wrath forever. And that's what it means to perish. And I know in our culture, in our world, in our day, and even in the church, we don't like to talk about the wrath of God. But you can't have love without wrath. You, you, you can't, they, they, they don't, it's not just one I mean, God's not just a big old teddy bear that just says, do whatever you want to do and we'll all make it. No, he says, I'm the only way, right? We just read that promise. He has a standard of holiness. He has an expectation for us. And we broke that back in Genesis whenever our, our, our father Adam sinned. And it's been imputed to all of us. So the holy wrath of God is upon the world. Those who are not found in Jesus Christ. And they will perish they will perish in that condition. They will perish in that state. And church, that should break our heart. Church, the reality and the weight of that should crush us. Should cause us to do crazy things that don't make sense. In hopes of reaching the world. So what did my week look like this week? We're in the process of building a house. And I was there Monday and was looking at some things and met with our, our builder for a moment. And the gentleman that is, is going to be wiring the house was there. And so he's there. And, and you know me, like I'm just a I'm social butterfly. And so I begin to engage in conversation. And as I begin to engage in conversation, talk to him a little bit. And it gets to that place of, so, so what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. He's like, really, what do you do? Like, why is somebody going to lie about being a pastor? But that's normally the, the response that I get. No, really. Like, dude, honestly. I said, dude, I'm, I'm a pastor. And so now that the door's been open, like, like I, I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm doing this. I'm doing, and he's going to be wiring our house. So I've got to be careful, right? There's, I want to be in that thing and it burned down. And so we begin to have conversations. I said, what about you, dude? Where do you go to church? Oh, man, I don't, I don't do church. I don't go to church. I said, you don't? He said, no, I don't, I don't need it. I don't go to I don't do that. I'm Catholic. Oh! Yeah. So I said, uh, okay. I said, um, I'm intrigued now. And he says, what does that mean? I said, you've got to find out. Um, so we began to talk a little bit more and stuff like that. And I began to share some stuff. And he began to talk some. And it finally ends with like, let me take you to lunch this week, please. He's like, okay. All right. I'll, I'll go. So I show up the next day to pick him up to take him to lunch. Oh, man, I can't go. I'm no liar. No, that's right, you're Catholic. You're... Anyway, that's not right. He said, I'm no liar. I said, okay, all right. He's like, I, I just can't go. If I go, I've got to get this done in two days, and we've got this guy up here building it. I said, okay, 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 water. And so I was like, I was like dang it, I was kind of dejected and uh, frustrated. And, and just kind of in that moment, I just kind of felt the Holy Spirit. I said, it's not done. He's got to eat tomorrow. That's right, God. I said, well, what about this? Because I, I, like, I'm going to take every excuse away now if I can. I said, dude, how about this? How about I bring you lunch tomorrow? And I'm going to wine and dine the dude, right? I'm getting hot dogs from Reagan's. <laughs> so I take him some hot dogs. The next day, like, Meredith's calling me. I'm, like, in the middle of a call trying to get over there, too, to get the hot dogs to get to. She's, like, coming. She's, like, did you check with him? Did you check with him? And I'm, like, ah, oh, no, I've just ordered the hot dogs. She's, like, ah. Oh. I said, well, he said two days. It's not been two days. He's got to be there. 
And so I get there, and as I get there, we like set out the hot dogs, and, we, and, and he says, yeah, okay, let's eat. And so he sits there, and he's like, why are you doing this? Why, why are you? And I said, I, just, I love people. I just like to hear stories, and, and I'm intrigued by yours, and I would like to know more about you and just hear your story and stuff like that. And so, but in that, like church, in that, I get to share the gospel with this dude who I believe is lost. And you may think that's judgmental. You may think, because if you ask me, I don't identify myself as a pastor. I don't identify myself as a good guy. I don't identify myself. I identify myself as a born-again believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. Not a, not, I don't even identify as Baptist. Who gives a rip about that? They don't, they don't save you or do a thing for you. And we're Baptist church. No, no, no. I, I'm a born-again believer. Th- that's who I am. That's what I am. I'm not anything else. Nothing else matters. Everything flows through that. So, so we begin to talk, and as we begin to talk, I begin, I mean, I share the gospel like crazy. And I'm not overbearing with that. I just get to work it in in my story because I asked him his, and then he asked me mine. And I'm like, that poor guy, he don't have a clue what's coming. And so I just begin to share and share and tell a little bit, and well, I believe this. And when I start talking about the Holy Spirit, his eyes get like this big, and he's like, whoa. But I get to share, man, I get to share the story of who Jesus is and what he's done in my life. And then at the end of it, I'm like, like, this this was cool, man. I I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for letting me bring you food and and get to talk for a little bit. And like, he's still just kind of so confused by this and and stuff. And so we continue to talk. I was like, well, I better get back to work. I got to get. I said, well, where's your help today? He's like, ah, they didn't get to show up. I said, okay. I'll help you. What? I said, yeah. He's like, do you know how to do any of that stuff? I said, dude, I'm a quick learner and I listen. I can climb a ladder. I can pull some wire. I mean, you don't want me hooking it up to that box over there, but I'll do everything else. And for the next four hours, I get to help that dude wire my house. I get four hours of what? More gospel conversation. Why? Because he's going to perish if he doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's going to perish if he doesn't have faith in Christ. I don't care if he's Catholic or what he is. It doesn't matter. I don't care if he's Baptist. Because you know what? Many Baptists are going to perish one day. I don't care if he's Methodist or Presbyterian. I don't care about that. I care if he's a believer or not. If he's born again or not. And he's going to perish. That's what Jesus says. Unless you're found in him. And so I want to do everything I can to push him in that direction. To share with. And I want to be the crazy dude that don't have a clue about electricity. Be pulling wires in my house. Just so I get to talk to him for another four hours. And then what happens? The next day I go back. And I get to hang out with him for a little bit and see him again the next day and talk to him and, and, and share a little bit more. So finally he gives me his phone number. I'm like, oh, Mary's like, that poor guy, I don't have a clue what he's done. And I looked at him and said, look, I said, I don't care if you ever land at my church. I said, but I want you to come with me one Sunday. Give me one Sunday, that's all I ask. One Sunday. And the first day he was like, nah, man, I don't know. Remember, he don't do church. He don't need it. I said, okay. And so the next day I asked him again, he's like, well, I, and it went from no, no, no to, well, you know what, I, I might do that. I might do that. And I don't care if he ever lands here, I just, I just want to get him around people that's crazy like me, that's going to love on him and, and share Jesus and, and care for him. I, I, just, I want him to see what the love of Christ really looks like. Not a religion, but a relationship with Jesus. And so church, that's around us everywhere. You've got coworkers like that. You've got, you've got neighbors like that. You have got opportunity. We've got opportunity if we'll just take the time and look for it. And my fear is just like with me that maybe, maybe the reality of eternity and perishing, maybe it just doesn't carry the weight like it should in my heart. 
Maybe the reality of what that means for somebody outside the love of Christ. Wrath of God poured out on them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but what have eternal life. That's the second promise that he makes. And it doesn't mean that you exist forever. Hear, hear me. Everybody's going to exist forever. Everybody was created with a soul. And so you're going to have eternal life and live forever. But this life is being born again and getting a spiritual life. John 6, 63 says this. It is the spirit who gives life. And we know from John, uh, 1 John 5, 11 that this life is in God's son. That's where life is found. That life that is seen and savors who God is as the utmost and glorious. That's where eternal life exists. It's in our believing the Holy Spirit is uh, uniting us to Christ who is life. That's what eternal life looks like. And in that instant, we're born again and we believe and we're united with the Son of God. And then we have that eternal life that he talks about. And it's only found in the Son of God. It's that life that's eternal. Where he says over in John eleven twenty five through 26, I am the resurrection and the life Whoever believes in me, though they die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's eternal life. I mean, we're all going to live forever, either in the presence with Jesus or separated, tasting the wrath of Jesus for all eternity. We're going to live forever, but eternal life is only found in Christ. And eternal life is forever with him. I mean, that's what makes heaven so sweet. Not all the other stuff that we don't even really know about. But what makes heaven so sweet is the presence of Jesus. I mean, unadulterated. Not watered down, not hoping and praying that, he'll, uh, that we'll be obedient or we'll submit to it. No, but being fully, there's nothing to hide anymore. Sin is not an issue. I mean, our faith becomes our sight. That's what's so sweet about that. Uh, the one who has given it all for us, we get to spend eternity with. I mean, that's what's so amazing. That's eternal life, and it's only found in Jesus. So as the band comes back up, man, I hope and pray, man, that this promise is one that you are a part of and that you'll enjoy for all eternity. For God so loved the world that he gave. Remember that gift that we talked about? That gift that God gave to die? We don't perish under the wrath of God because Jesus died at our place, and he takes the wrath of God on himself. He took for us what we deserve. His steps in our behalf bears our sin and our punishment. And we get eternal life. We get eternal life with Jesus. He removes the great obstacle of God's wrath and supplies the everlasting life that we don't have in ourselves. So the question I ask is, is do you live in the forgiveness and life and freedom of John 3.16? Does the wonder and awe of being loved like this dictate every facet of your life? And I'm not asking if you can recite the verse or tell a bit about it or give lip service to it. I mean, but do you live it? Is this your life? Is everything you do permeate through this verse? And so may God grant you such faith and believe the promise that he has given to us today in John 3.16. So much so is that now when you look at people, you don't look at them the same way. When you make decisions, you don't make decisions the same way. That it'll be dictated by the love of God. With the hope of being able to engage in conversation. With the hope of being able to serve, to, to show, 
to just be able to point somebody back to the glory of God with the desperate desire, yearning for God to rescue and redeem and save them. Because I don't know what God stirred in your heart as a result of his word this morning or over the last few weeks. But man, if you think John 3.16 is good, just wait till next week when we get to 17, 18. Oh man, what God uses there, what he tells us about the reality of his son and what his son has come to do. Oh man, it's freeing. You think this promise is good, it just gets sweeter. So I don't know what he's stirred in your heart. I don't know what he's done in your heart as a result of his word. But I pray that this morning, if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, and that you will taste today of what that eternal life is like. That you'll find rescue and redemption in him. Or if you're here today and you've been playing the game, that you'll quit playing the game and that you'll get serious because souls are perishing. I mean, people are dying and going to hell. And we have the great privilege and honor to be able to share who Jesus Christ is and live him out in front of So may God stir your heart, your soul. Father, help us this morning. Save the lost. God, help us to get serious about who you are and what you've done. Jesus, move and speak in this place, in this moment. And we pray. Amen.